All right, all right. Hey, if you're with us today for the very first time, we want to welcome you. I personally want to welcome you. I'm Tim McGregor, uh, lead pastor here, and we're glad to have you this morning. We are starting a well. We started a series last week called Family Ties, and last week we talked about the importance of prayer and praying for our families. It's so important. Tim Wharton did a fantastic job. Man, I don't know if you watched it, but it was we're here. It was great. Yeah, I think he's speaking at Catalyst next year. I'm not sure. Tim Wharton, man, he put it. He did it. Family Ties. Today I want to talk to you on this thought. Everybody needs a buddy. Everybody in the body of Christ needs a buddy. We're going to be talking about the value of Christian friendship. I have been so blessed in my life to have so many wonderful people around me. God has shown his kindness to me in so many ways, and it even started when I was growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in. I had so many good pals, so many great memories and then I was in a, an, an awesome school. I went to an elementary school that no longer exists, but it was a great one in Cumberland. Anybody remember a school called Johnson Heights School? Legendary school, man. Man, that's where I went to school, man. It was awesome. We got in so much trouble there. We had a great, it was great growing up. Um, it's a blessing of the Lord when you can look back through your life and see people that have been around you and, and, and made your life uh, better. But, you know, I came to faith in Christ as a, in my late teens, and uh, you know what I found out, and if you haven't, you need to know this, uh, um, as believers in Jesus, we can't make it on our own. Um, you know, we, could, we couldn't save ourselves, could we? We couldn't save ourselves. God had to do the saving, and God's the one who does the keeping. So we can't do it alone. But even going into a deeper layer, as believers, we can't go it alone. Bros, we need to have a few bros. We need to have a circle of bros to do this thing with. To do it right. To do it well. So that we can live well and cross the finish line well. Sister. <laughs> Sisters. You need to do that sister thing. A circle of a few of you to do this thing with. Do it right. Do it well. So you can cross the finish line. Everybody needs a buddy. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? This one's a very short passage. It's from the New Testament letter of Philippians written by Paul. And uh, we're going to read from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, the message today. Very short, but I'd ask if you join me. Live stream, join us. Read it out loud. Ready? Here we go. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Would you read it again? Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Now turn to somebody and say, I love you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love you, man. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you meet us when we meet you. And we thank you that although your spirit is everywhere, your presence gathers with us when we gather with you. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak in a manner that is really deep and personal with us, that you would stir up our hearts to have a passion not only for you but for your people and that we'd get closer and connected, that family ties 
would really be uh, a manifestation of a greater reality in our midst and that you would guide us. We don't want anybody in the body of Christ here at the Lighthouse of Hope Church family to feel alone, to do it alone, to go it alone. We want everybody in a community, in connection, in a circle together. Speak to us about what we need to do to make that a greater reality and give us the grace to do it and the courage to do it. In Jesus' name, amen? amen? You may be seated. A couple questions I want to ask you to ask yourself. They're filling the blanks. Here they are, ready? When I have questions I'm wrestling with, I turn to... When I need a prayer warrior, I turn to... When I'm in crisis, I turn to... When I need to confess my failure... Once a year. Yeah. What, you, when I need to confess my failure, I call. When I need a helping hand, I call. Now, I want you to do it again, but this time, well, let me ask who Who pops in your head when, when in that blank? Who pops, who pops, who is the person that pops in your head when you ask that question? And let me ask you this, who in your circle, has you pop in their head. Now, we're going to do it again, but this time, in the fill in the blanks, you can't put Jesus. You can't put pastors. You can't put your spouse. You can't put your biological brother or sister or family or TV preachers. You can't even put Instagram celebrities. Okay? So, not Jesus. When I need prayer, I turn to Jesus. Well, aren't you cute? Okay? When I have questions I'm wrestling with, I turn to. When I need a prayer warrior, I turn to. When I'm in crisis, I turn to. When I need to confess my failure, I call. When I need a helping hand, I call. Who is that person? Who are those people? you turn to? And who can turn to you for those things? Everybody needs a buddy. We're talking about the importance of friendship, having them and being one. Hey, Gilligan had Skipper, right? Batman had Robin. Laverne had Shirley. I'm trapped in a 70s time warp. <laughs> Ross wanted Rachel, but he got Joey and Chandler instead. <laughs> Michael had Toby. <laughs> no. No. Please, God. Right? And I got Ollie. Right? Yeah. We need deep friends. We need to be a deep friend. You know, some people say they're deep. I heard a girl say this one time how she said, I'd walk through fire for my best friend. Well, not fire. That would be dangerous. But a super humid room, well, not too humid because, you know, my hair. You know, we need some good people around us. And we need to be in a circle with others and bring good to that circle. 
I'm going to talk about some real serious reasons why we need to be in a circle of friends. But you know what? Life's too hard. Anyone ever figured that out yet? It gets a little rough. And sometimes we get too serious. So I want to start out. Uh, we need friends to laugh with. We need some people to have fun with in this thing, right? I heard someone say friendship is about finding people who are your kind of crazy. Anybody crazy sometimes here? Come on, only a few? This, we need to be a more exciting church. Someone said, you don't have to be crazy to be my friend. I'll train you well. And I heard these, these elderly ladies they said, you know, we will always be friends till we're old and senile, and then we'll just become new friends. <laughs> now, this one goes out to my buddy, Bill Kirby. We've been friends since second grade, um, and uh, we, we, we are just good buddies. We got reconnected through Facebook about six years ago, and our friendship uh, has just gotten deeper and deeper. We try to call each other. He lives up around Philly. I live, don't live up around Philly. And we try to call each other every Friday morning, about 7.30 every, morning, every Friday morning, hell or high water. And we miss it sometimes, but mostly we don't. And we just talk. We just talk about the Lord. We talk about our families, our, our failures, our successes, and we get real, real with each other. And I'm so glad I got a friend like that. He's not the only one. But all, I have a group of wonderful friends, and the, the thing that they all have in common is they're all better friends than I am. I want to be a better friend, but I have a good one. And Bill Kirby, this one goes out to you. This reminds me of us. He's probably watching. I, I hope we're friends until we die, and then I hope we stay ghost friends and walk through walls and scare the crap out of people. Yeah. That's, me. that's, that's Bill Kirby and I. That's our kind of friendship. Everybody needs a buddy. Everybody needs a buddy. There is a deep need in the world. There is a deep need in the church. There is a deep need in the ministry to go deep in friendship. Daniel Darling, who wrote the original Jesus, said, We live in the most connected generation in history, and yet we may be the most disconnected generation in history. There is a deep need in the friendship department. Real friendships, real, deep friendships that replace shallow friendships. Real to replace shallow. A couple of years ago at Catalyst, I heard Pastor Scott Sauls, uh, he just wrote a book called Befriend. And he was talking about this. And reading the book, he describes shallow friendship in three ways. Shallow friendship, he said, is digital, it is transactional, and it's one-dimensional. And I was reading those chapters, and here's what a shallow, a digital friendship means to me. You put forth the best and you hide the rest. It's the Snapchat friendship and the Facebook-only friendship and the Instagram post friendship. It's a screened friendship. You want to know who your real friend is? you can send your ugly selfies to them. <laughs> Shallow is digital. Shallow friendship is also transactional, and I think it means this. 
We connect for benefit of self. And then when we use up those people that benefited ourselves, then we look for a better one. A transactional, shallow friendship is I only stay friends in the group that meet my me requirements. Shallow is transactional. It's about me. Shallow friendships are usually one-dimensional. Like, my, I only will be friends with Republicans. I'll only be Baptists' friends. I'll only be friends with you if you don't believe in climate change. If you feel the burn, I won't burn with you. How could any human being that isn't a troglodyte support Donald Trump? One-dimensional. Yay, Lutherans. I don't know what heaven's going to be like for people that can only do it their denominational way. Shallow is one-dimensional. Jesus wasn't one-dimensional with people. You know what they said about him? This man eats with tax collectors and sinners. Here's, how, here's, here's what that means. They said, Jesus eats with those of us who have sold out to the Romans to get rich. He eats with sinning sinners, not Christian sinners. He eats with sinning sinners. He's a friend with the drunkards and the prostitutes. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus went to toga parties and wore togas. And it doesn't mean that he was like John Belushi when he was at Animal House. But it means that he was with people that weren't like him, but he didn't act like them when he was with them. But he wasn't one-dimensional. He wasn't shallow. You know one of the things I love about Jesus is when he selected 12 guys to go with him for three years in ministry, mentoring them and sending them out, there were people in that 12 men club that were not at all like each other. Two particular ones, Simon the Zealot would be like a modern-day tea party guy wearing a MAGA hat. And Matthew was a tax collector, so he would be like a Bernie Sanders guy. I mean, I mean like, we're going to tax you to, you know, because we're going to, right, that guy. And you know what? Not only did Jesus put those two guys in the 12, when he sent them out, if you read the way they're listed... I, ha I think I have pretty good argument to say when he sent them out two by two, he sent the tea party guy with the Bernie guy and said, go love the world and preach the kingdom to them. Can you imagine that journey on the way to preach Jesus? Sometimes it's not what we do, but it's what God does in us by putting us with people that are outside of our dimension. Long-term ministry. You know one of my biggest goals is in long-term ministry? Is to stay friends through all the long roads and ups and downs with the people that I'm in ministry with. A long time ago, in a staff meeting here, I got a whiteboard out and put at the top of it, relationships always trump 
ministry results. Because we can be successful in numbers and reaching people and having programs, whatever, and not get along with the people that are with us that God's called us to reach other people with. To me, staying sweet at the finish line and having the buddies with me that I ministered with all along the way still in good fellowship together, high-fiving across the finish line is the most important, important, important thing in my life to define whether my ministry is successful or not. Friendships. Real over shallow. Why is that important? Here's why. Because shallow isn't God enough. Shallow isn't God. I didn't say it's not good enough. It's not God enough. Here's what I mean by that. Because we can't get better without being real. We need someone in our life. We need a few people in our life, in our life, not just in Sunday morning attendance. In our life, a few good bros, a few good sisters to reveal, to get real, to stay right with, not just right with God with, right with them with, and relational. Why is that important? Because shallow isn't God enough. Because we need friends who disagree with us as well as agree with us. Here's an illumination for me and you. We're not right about everything we think we're right about. And second of all, we don't know it. We don't even know it at all. And sometimes God puts people in our life that we don't like because they show us we're not right about what we think we're right about. And that's not always a sign to ditch them from your inner circle. It might be a sign to say, thank you, Lord, for putting someone in my life that will show me that I'm not a rocket scientist, I'm a knucklehead. (laughs) Just because I get filled with the Spirit doesn't mean I know everything. Shallow isn't God enough. Because we need friends who can challenge our weakness as well as affirm our strengths. You might need to take a picture of these. Someone said, real friends don't get offended when you insult them. They smile and call you something even worse. That's a good friend. Jerk, idiot. But you love each other. It's, you, know, it's not, you know what I mean? You were wrong. You're always wrong. What am I wrong about? I don't believe that. And you yell out and you get in your car and you think, man, they're right. Why are they always right? <laughs> because shallow isn't God enough. Because we need friends who will go through struggles with us as well as enjoy our joys. I mean, we need people that are really in there with us, that will look at us and say, listen, man, 
I would take a Nerf bullet for you. <laughs> I promise. I'm there. No. We need people to be in the trenches with us. We need people to be in the battle with us. We need people to be in the blood with us, in the hurts, in the big fails, in the train wrecks. We need people to be in the chemo room with us. We need people to sit down with us in the hallway before we go into the courthouse to see the judge. And we're not going in in good shape. We need people to stay with us in the night seasons. Can I ask you to fill out these blanks again? When I have questions I'm wrestling with, I turn to... When I need prayer warrior, I turn to... When I'm in a crisis, I turn to... When I need to confess my failure, I call... When I need a helping hand, I call. And Lord, help me, my name should fill in somebody's blank there. Because shallow isn't God enough. And here's why because we need friends who help us apologize, we don't want to. We need friends who guide us through times of repentance when we really need to and hold us accountable to God and hold us accountable to others. You know, dude, I bet you felt really good saying what you said to him. But man, listen, I'm just telling you because I love you. That was an arrow. Because shallow isn't God enough. Someone said, good friends don't let you do stupid things alone. We need friends to be there to talk us back and walk us back from the fires of temptation. Who get real with us when we're ready to burn up our field of integrity and fruitfulness and talk us down off the stupid ledge. Real, not shallow, because shallow isn't God enough. And everybody needs a buddy. Because we need friends who help us apologize and guide. I'll go with you, man. You need to go tell that person, I don't want to, I feel bad. I'll go with you. I'll, I'll say all the stuff you did, and then you say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me tell you a real quick story about two good bros in the Bible, David and Jonathan. Uh, you ought to read that story. There's some really good stuff in the Old Testament you should read. Good stories, man. The Bible's interesting. It's got all kinds of stuff in it. Sex and everything. Sex and everything. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. Murder, mystery, stupid people, smart people. 
Stuff that I don't even understand still. David and Jonathan's a great story about two good bros. They helped each other out with God's plan for their lives. They rejoiced together in the highs and fought the battles for each other in the lows, and they had a lot of lows. I want you to read this passage out loud with me. It just gives you a composite picture of the relationship David and Jonathan had, and we'll break it down real fast. Read it out loud, would you? The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. Who made the covenant? Read it again. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Look what he did. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. Who made the covenant? Jonathan was the son of the king of Israel. He was next in line. As long as he didn't die, he could have been a complete idiot. And he was going to get the throne, making you the most powerful man in Israel. Jonathan saw something in David and saw David's destiny. And David's destiny by God was to be the king of Israel. And Jonathan was in his way. Jonathan was a mighty warrior. If you read a few chapters before David kills Goliath, Jonathan rocks the, the whole nation with an inc incredible, miraculous military victory that he leads Israel to. He has the military scorebook down with a gold star. He's got his dad in place putting him there. And he sees a destiny on someone else that is something that he had been groomed for. And Dave and Jonathan, you know what he does? He makes a covenant with David. And look what he does. He strips himself of the robe. Does this sound like anybody you've heard of before in the New Testament? We always talk about David being like Jesus. Well, Jonathan's like Jesus right here. He stripped himself of the robe of royalty. And he gave it. Covenant is when two become one. And he gave the robe to David. And then he took off his armor, sword, bow, and belt. And gave it to David. He loved him as himself. There was a deep, bonded, not shallow but real friendship. They became one. They became one in battle. They became one in the highs, one in the lows. And let me tell you, throughout the entire story, Jonathan is always sacrificing more than David. He could have been king, but he knew it was David's destiny. David turns into one of the most popular Bible characters. He is famous for his victories. And there are many people in the church that don't even know who Jonathan is. Well, there's people in church who don't even know who Noah is. But anyway. David is the spectacular psalmist, hard after God. We know everything about him, his victories, his struggles. God's plan and purpose for David came true beyond his wildest dreams, but he never went alone. All through his life, he had special people connected to him, and David's destiny was fulfilled for many reasons but mainly because Jonathan's brotherly love was given to him.
There are some memorable symphonies that would have never been created had it not been that there were people willing to play second fiddle and sit in the third chair. Jonathan. The Bible says many friends can lead you to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When Jonathan is killed in battle, David laments for him. Look what this says. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. That's how deep their bond was. There's anything weird or shady about those words right there. It's a covenant brotherhood. One translation says it this way, Oh, my dear brother Jonathan, I'm crushed by your death. Your friendship was a miracle wonder. Love far exceeding anything I've known or ever hoped to know. Let me ask you to fill him in again. When I have questions I'm wrestling with, I turn to... When I need a prayer warrior, I turn to... When I'm in crisis, I turn to... Are, are, you, are, you, are you bothered that maybe someone's not thinking of you? When I need to confess my failures, I call. When I need a helping hand, I call. Let me ask you a question. What friend will not only cry at your funeral, but will be crying a year later because you were that kind of friend? What kind of friend will meet you on the other side of right here on that peaceful golden shore someday? Rooting for a lot of people, but really rooting for you because they were your Jonathan. Or you were their Jonathan. A couple other things about friendship I want to say before we close. It's this. We can't go deep with many, but can increase our quota of godly friendships. I opened with a passage from Paul. He's writing to a church that's in the soup. They're going through criticism and persecution, and it is hard. Some of them are really, it's hard in, in Philippi. And he points them to the power of Jesus and the model of Jesus, and then he encourages them. We read it when we started to go deep with each other, to be a loving church and prove it. Prove it. Not a church like we're going to the movies, and we wave at each other in the lobby, and then we go back and do our own life but a family bonded all in for everyone, loving all, but going deep with some. All of us increasing our quota of godly friendships. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Jesus, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourself the way Jesus thought of himself. Second, we can't make a covenant with unbelievers, but we need to befriend them. Why? Because people need the Lord. And we need to bring peace to people. 
We need to bring light and grace and convincing and convicting truth. But people don't care about too much of what we know here at LOH if they don't believe we really care enough, regardless of how they're living, to get close to them. Jesus came and preached peace to those who were far away as well as those who were near. And then here's the last one. If we're going to go deep, I, I, Chuck Swindoll wrote three books back in the 70s. One was called Improve Your Serve. One was called Strengthen Your Grip. I don't know if they're still in print. I hope they are. They're great books. And one is called Drop Your Guard. These are the three principles of what we need to do to move closer to a few people in our life to have real, not shallow, friendship. Because once again, shallow is not God enough. Improve our serve, strengthen our grip, drop our guard. We have to pick our friends wisely, but we have to pick them. Bad company corrupts good character. Show me your inner circle and I'll have a pretty good indication of your future. Deep friendships require loyalty, and work, mercy, patience, commitment, and a willingness to be changed. I want to keep doing my going after friendship like James Taylor says in his song, That's Why I'm Here. Go person to person and man to man. Get in touch with some of your lost, long friends. Listen to reason and understand who think of you from way back when and tell them, that's why I'm here. quotes Swindoll one more time in his book, The Finishing Touch. He always talks about finishing well. That's where that thing really started getting in me years ago about not just doing it well, but finishing well. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And who's with you at the finish line? How many people you stayed bonded to? Here's what Swindoll says. Listen to this really closely, please. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands, we're not. To make this thing called life work, we got to lean and support. Relate and respond. Give and take. Confess and forgive. Release and rely. Since none of us is a whole, independent, self-sufficient, superb, capable, all-powerful hotshot, Let's quit acting like we are. Life's lonely enough without playing such a silly role as that. We need to let go of excuses, quit hiding behind our personality type, and let the person of the Holy Spirit lead our feet toward other people and blow away the shallow of digital, transactional, right? And be about going in to learn and love, change, make change.
There have been some Friday mornings that I didn't want to call my brother, not because I didn't love him, but because I didn't want to have to tell him how my week was. Because there was no way to Christianize it. Make it look good. It was like garbage that needed to be taken out three days too late. And I have a brother that we're going to laugh and we're going to remember the time that we took squirt guns to May Day in sixth grade and squirted the principal. (laughs) But we're also going to talk about, hey, how about... Do you have a friend in your life that you can't lie to? You lie to, but you can't. Because they go, liar. (laughs) And they make you mad. But you're glad. You know, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. I hope you and I will really take seriously those blanks. And none of us want the phone to ring off the hook. But if it's never ringing, real. Because shallow isn't God enough. I'm going to close with this. How do we get there? Same way we get anywhere. We follow Jesus into the mystic. We follow Jesus into the mystery. We follow Jesus into the mud. We follow Jesus into that circle of men and women, people. And some of us are here today watching, and Jesus is saying to you for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time, but he's said this to you before, but he's coming back round again, and he's saying this. He's inviting you in. He's inviting you in to him He wants to come into your circle. He wants to come into your life. Not to join you, but you join him. Here's what Jesus said. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. And then he says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. If you're here today... I've been talking about a kind of friendship that you've never had. There isn't a person, there isn't a person in my inner circle who I think are, and I said, every one of my friends are better at doing the friend thing than I'm doing back to them, way better. And that's not a good thing, but it's something I ask God to help me with. But listen, my best friends in the world can never compare to the kind of love Jesus can give and Jesus gives. But that doesn't give me an excuse, just, okay, Jesus, me and you, with all my stuff and all my secrets, just me and you. Me and you into the church, me and you out of the church. He calls us into brotherhood. He calls us into family. A lot of times we're looking up in the sky and and our answer is right beside us or somebody we don't know well enough yet. He says, greater love has no one than this that one lay down his life for his friends. And you're my friends if you do what I command you. And what he's commanding us to do is love one another in a real, non-shallow way. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone here right now who needs to say yes to Jesus. 
First, for those who've never met him or those who have wandered from him, those who knew about him, but today your Holy Spirit has, has made today their day, that they give their heart at the foot of the cross to you, that they do what you told them to do, repent, which means turn in a new direction from living for yourself, surrender it all, confess your need and confess your sin at the foot of my cross and I will receive you, I will forgive you, I will cleanse you, I will put my life in you, I will write your name in the Lamb's book of life, get you ready for heaven and lead you into a life walk with myself and with the people of God. Lord, for anyone watching this, for anyone sitting here right now that needs that, would pray this prayer, Jesus, I believe that you're real and you made today for me. Your death 2,000 years ago was for me. And today I believe it and you're inviting me in and so I'm coming in. I have lots of questions. I have a lot of hang-ups. I got a lot of problems. But I, I know you're calling me, so I'm just going to lean on that. I'm going I'm to open my heart and say, come into my life. Please forgive me. I don't want to live a self-centered. I want you in my life to lead the way from this moment on. Come into my life, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for anyone who prayed that prayer and meant it, watching it or sitting in this room, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come into their life, that the gospel would be confirmed with power and much assurance in their heart, that there would be a washing, a cleansing, a freeing for their life, and that, Lord, they would be wise enough to get in your word and wise enough to get locked in, rooted in to a place with people who love you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray for myself. I thank you for my friends. I thank you so much for my friends. I thank you so much for my friends, Lord, who are there for me, who've prayed me up and out and through, challenged me, called me out, as well as called me in. Thank you for those who walk by my side. and They're better than I am. Help me. I don't want to be shallow. It's not God enough. I want to be deep. There are people here, Lord, we're all different places, been through all kinds of things. We've got all kinds of reasons, all kinds of excuses, all kinds of fears, and you don't shame us for those. But Lord, I pray none of those things, none of those things would win the day. None of those things would win the day. But what would win today is that you are calling each of us to become deep-spirited friends. And I thank you for what you're going to do through this message in days to come, in years to come. In Jesus' name. Would you all stand? Guys.